0: Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Naomi Rovnik. Politicians and activists have begun to use dating apps to target their campaigns at young voters. Is this a harmless way to inform or an unethical use of deception for political ends? Lauren Fedor discusses the question with Anna Gross, who has been investigating the phenomenon, and they are joined down the line by Oxford University researcher Robert Gorwa. So Anna, what campaigns have used these tactics? So it was used in the run-up to the 2017 election campaign. Campaigners who were sympathetic with Labour lent out their Tinder profiles to these Tinder bots to talk about the virtues of Jeremy Corbyn and his manifesto. Then it was used again a couple of weeks ago by a campaign group called Lesbians and Gays Support the Migrants, who were trying to raise awareness about a British Airways contract with the Home Office to deport illegal migrants on commercial flights. And again, they lent out their Tinder profiles to these bots and set their location to airports around the country and then started conversations with people who were there, telling them about these contracts with the Home Office and how they could go about potentially ending one of these flights. And then interestingly, also the Brazilian government, the Health Ministry, used bots ahead of Brazilian Carnival to raise awareness about HIV and AIDS. So these bots started conversations with users on Tinder and also this LGBTQ app called Hornet to tell them about the possibilities of getting HIV and how they could test for it and all of that kind of thing.
1: Can you explain to people
0: what a bot is and what specifically the Tinder bots do? So it's kind of an opt-in system where people can lend out their Tinder profiles or other dating app profiles to a bot. And the bot is basically a Chrome browser extension that you can download and then you log in and the browser says, can I use your Tinder profile? And then if you give it permission to do that, you can then set your location to anywhere. So let's say you're sitting in your living room in London, you can set your location to Manchester. And then the bot will start swiping right indiscriminately to everyone in the region and Um, you and
1: i know what swiping right means but can you explain to someone what you mean by swiping right so
0: swiping right means i'm attracted to you Mm -hmm. and if you swipe right to someone and then they swipe right back to you that means that you match and once you match you can start having a private conversation
1: okay so the bot is swiping right indiscriminately really quickly to Tens of people, hundreds of people, thousands thousands of of people?
0: people. Thousands of people. And then if one of those people or several of those people swipe right back to you, which is the profile that's been lent out to the bot, it will automatically start a conversation using a reactive script. So it will respond to whatever the person is saying in kind of normal conversational time. And do they actually work?
1: Are the campaigners confident they're getting their message
0: across? Um, Well, it kind of depends on what you're measuring. As Tinder has told me several times, it doesn't have very good scope. If you think about posting on Facebook or Twitter, each post you make is going to reach hundreds if not thousands of people, whereas this is more one-to-one. It's kind of a novel form of canvassing or, you know, like door-to-door knocking. But as the app developers have told me, they think it is effective in that people are more likely to listen to people that they are attracted to and for example in the run-up to the 2017 election campaign people set their location people who used the bots set their location to battleground constituencies and one of those popular ones was Dudley North and Labour ended up winning by a 22 vote margin
1: I mean it's interesting that people would be more comfortable chatting with someone that perhaps they're attracted to but it kind of sounds to me like it's deceptive Robert, your research focuses on the intersection between tech platforms and campaigning. And you've written on Tinder bots before you had an article in Wired magazine. Do you think there's harm in the use of dating apps for this kind of campaigning?
2: I think in this case, of course, the activists mean well, and they're organizing for a good cause. And generally, the harms are pretty minimal. But I still worry that it sets a bit of a dangerous precedent. It normalizes this combination of automation and deception. So if this becomes a common practice, and now we've seen two examples of this in the UK, and I hate to point a finger at this, but this group actually did something different in that they put their code online. So basically, could anyone kind of download the package, deconstruct it, and make their own Tinder bot? And it becomes kind of way more invasive if you imagine more groups using this or it becoming kind of widely used in elections. But just to add on to what Anna mentioned earlier, I think there's a really interesting distinction that I've been interested in my work, which is that we have this traditional understanding of a bot as something in the Russian bot vein, is just like a fake profile that someone created and it's kind of spammy and it works behind the scenes. But this is actually something a bit different where it's a donation, where you're actually automating legitimate profiles of your supporters. So your real users are giving these profiles away. If you look at the instructions that the campaigners put online in this recent incident, they actually give little tips as how to optimize your profile so that it works better. It has more matches. So these are real people with real photos, real bios, not just obvious spam bots. And I think if you think about that, that is kind of what me and some of my friends have been thinking about and have been worried about because the implications go way beyond just dating apps. So here's a little thought experiment, which is, I guess, a bit of a dystopian one. But imagine that Trump says tomorrow to some of his supporters that the fake news media is out of control, they're not properly propagating his messages, et cetera, et cetera. They're censoring conservative viewpoints. So download this app and you'll now automatically share and retweet any of my messages across social media platforms, be that Tinder or be that Twitter or Facebook. I think that would quite clearly be a nightmare and would actually have pretty big implications for how we use these social media platforms.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really interesting. And actually, I think in, in France, and you probably know more about this than I do, they've been looking at legislation to clamp down on false amplification, I think they call it that these messages can be spread more rapidly than ever before. Here in the UK, or elsewhere, are you aware of legal restrictions that can stop this kind of campaigning or advertising from happening? Does it contravene any regulations? As
2: far as I know, the only initiative, um, the biggest one has been in California, where at the state level, there have been some legislators who have introduced a bot identification bill. And this was more targeted at Twitter and also targeted at that kind of traditional assumption that bots are these fake accounts, which we can detect relatively easily. I think this kind of example really challenges that, right? So those bills are premised on the idea that bots have to disclose themselves. And for that to happen, the company would need to know what account is a bot, what account is not a bot, and have a meaningful distinction between the two. And in this case, where its user is just downloading a script, which runs behind in the browser using the Tinder API, that is a lot less clear.
1: Mm. Anna, you've spoken to the companies. What's their reaction to this, and are they doing anything to stop it?
0: Well, Match Group, which owns Tinder, Match.com and OkCupid, as you can imagine, are not happy at all. They say that political campaigning of any kind on any of their platforms is not permitted and they have removed many people who have done political campaigning. They also say bots are regularly removed from their sites. Usually they're used for selling products or for scams. But their view is that if bots are used for political campaigning, that is definitely not acceptable.
1: Mm. I guess my last question really to both of you is how likely do you think it is that we're going to see more of these tactics in the future,
0: whether it be in the UK or elsewhere? I think it is quite likely. The bot developers told me that they have been approached by several political campaign groups in the U.S., They didn't want to name any names, but that those campaign groups are interested in using this kind of technology for the 2020 election.
1: Robert, do you think with all that in mind that we're likely to see more of these tactics in the future?
0: Yeah,
2: well, I think with this latest example, it's safe to say that this kind of thing is just going to become more common. And as my friend Doug Gilboa and I, who's at UPenn, we pointed out in that initial Wired article one thing which we thought was particularly concerning was that this was being widely celebrated in the liberal media after the UK Tinderbot first burst onto the scene. So the two creators of that campaign actually wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, which was saying, listen, this is a really creative and cutting edge way for young constituents to make their voices heard, get involved on issues that they care about. And, you know, we're kind of bringing this across the Atlantic. We're going to try to do this in all sorts of ways. And it's actually a way for left-wing groups to take back control. And... You know, I think there's been a long tradition of that kind of thinking around technology just generally. Any kind of social platform initially was supposed to empower everyone. And that, of course, meant left-wing social movements, left-wing activists. And what we're seeing in the last few years is how different kind of groups, far-right groups, the alt-right in the U.S. have become incredibly savvy at seizing those same technologies and those same affordances and then turning them back with great efficacy, I think, in elections all over Eastern, Western Europe and North America.
0: That was Lauren Fidor talking to Anna Gross and Robert Gorwa. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images and public records and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.